left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 102.1 and also live on YouTube. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams here on The Strong Side broadcasting live on YouTube as well. It's been a crazy week number two of the playoffs, and let's jump right into it as fast as possible. We have an eight-player football division one. We had Morris hosting the Merrill Vandals, and it was Morris 38-20. to in Morris, Michigan, Adrian Lenaway Christian takes care of Mayville, the two seed over the three seed, 78 to 14. And on the other side of the bracket, Martin over New Buffalo, 50 nothing, and Marcellus over Lawrence, 26 22. Just four teams remain in Division One. Wow. Adrian Lenaway Christian. We knew they were good. They just took apart uh, one of the best teams in the NCTL. Credit to Mayville. That's the first team that's put up double digits on Adrian Lenaway Christian, but what an impressive score, 78 points. And, uh, Morris had its hands full with with Merrill. That's going to be a great game between Morris and Adrian Lenaway Christian. In Division Two of eight-player football, the North Huron Warriors on Saturday took care of Peck for the second time this season. North Huron beat Peck three weeks ago, thirty-six to six. This time around was thirty-four to fourteen, and they're trying to get to the regional final for the second year in a row. Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart, the Catholics of Mount Pleasant, take out the Catholics of Bay City and All Saints, fifty-one to twelve. That's the Second time they played in the three weeks there. Waldron Saint or Portland St. Patrick takes care of Waldron, 53-26. And Colin, the Magi, over the Defenders. Wyoming Tri-Community Christian, 63-0. Very, very good win for North here, and we're going to talk about it later. Uh, we wondered how the Warriors would respond without their starting quarterback. In steps Tyler Moore, and uh, offensively, they didn't miss a beat. That was a really good gut check for the Warriors. And taking a look at 11-player football between Division 8 and Division 7, we'll start in Division 8. Flint Beach and Harbor Beach were supposed to play on Saturday at 1 o'clock. COVID won that one. Forfeiture for Harbor Beach due to a proactive quarantine gives Flint Beecher the victory. Harbor Beach finished the season, including the forfeiture, at 4-4. Four and four. The Ubley Bearcats hosted the USA Patriots on Friday in Ubley, and it was a tight one all the way through and through. 8-8 eight to eight at halftime, 8-8 eight to eight at the end of the third quarter, and 14-14 at the end of regulation. Had to go to extra innings for W securing the victory 20-14 to over the USA Patriots. Before we we talk about the games that happened, we gotta we got to touch on Harbor Beach for a quick second. Uh, so disappointing there. But as you said, Clark, there's a key word there, proactive. There is not an outbreak at Harbor Beach. There's not anything going on uh, crazy over there. Coach Schelke really wanted to make, make sure that that got out there. Uh, the situation, without getting too in-depth, could have happened to anybody. Um, this wasn't about somebody being irresponsible. It just—it's an unfortunate situation that could happen to any of us. And uh, they did all the right things, and it still—it still cost them their season. But this wasn't anybody being reckless over there in Harbor Beach. Uh, that's a great point, and I was going to point out the other fact that uh, Harbor Beach not playing actually hurts the Ugly Bearcats because that's just another local team getting tape and getting a little more knowledge on Flint Beecher. Uh, so I feel that kind of handicaps the winner of the USA Ubley game, which ends up being the Bearcats. I really feel like that's that's going to kind of hurt them, but I certainly like their chances next week. On the other side of the bracket in Division 8, Fowler takes out Holton 54-6. to Fowler now improves to 6-2 and on the season, and they will play Carson City Crystal as they took out Saranac 52-13. to In Division 7 football, Hemlock hosted the Bad Axe Hatchets, uh, they're for, after Bannock's coming off of that first playoff victory since 1978. This is the third time they met in all history. And Hemlock now leads the overall series 3-0. A tight one all the way through. And Hemlock hangs on by three points, 20-17, as Bannock's was leading at halftime, 10-6. 
And in the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network, Cass City hosting the Sandusky Redskins and also another one for overtime, Cass City 14, Sandusky 12. We all wondered how Badax was going to respond after really winning its Super Bowl, beating Lakers for a second time. They, the Hatches came out and gave themselves a shot to win this game against an undefeated Hemlock team. I think Badax opened up eyes not only throughout the thumb, but the entire state of Michigan because Hemlock is, is a really good team and Badax went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, to me, that's probably the most surprising outcome of the weekend, uh, uh, how Badax played. If you're a Cass City Redhawk fan, you're not any happier than seeing that result right now because I, I think a lot of us assumed Hemlock was going to take care of Badax, but kudos to them. I was one that thought Badax was really in trouble here, and Badax proved all this wrong. They had a punches chance. Um, a couple of missed field goals really cost them. This team had a real chance of upsetting Hemlock, but Cass City has to feel really good about it, knowing that if Bad Axe almost beat them, they certainly have a good chance too. And speaking of the Cass City Redhawks, let's talk about the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network. Cass City hosting Sandusky, a battle for who's the best in the Greertham Conference, the Greertham West Champs against the Co-Champs against the Greertham East Champs in the first quarter. All squared at zero. Absolutely no scoring in that first quarter. In the second quarter, just 48 seconds uh, left in this quarter. Sandusky goes on a huge drive. It started at their own 25-yard line. 17 plays later, 11 minutes off the clock later, and Lucas Feehan with the quarterback dive from one yard out makes it 6-0 as the two-point conversion failed. And that would be your score at halftime. Sandusky 6, Cass City nothing. Moving into the third quarter, Cassidy flips the script after Sandusky receives a what it will call a blocked punt, but it was because it hit the back of the line of Cassidy. Sandusky took over at the Cassidy 25-yard line. Looked they were, like they were going ahead by two possessions, but then they go a four and out. They cannot convert on downs. It's a turnover on downs at the Cassidy 16-yard line, and here come the Red Hawks. They take advantage of that next exact drive. Into the fourth quarter now, nine minutes left in regulation, and Jordan Mester caps off a 14-play drive from eight yards out for the score. Two-point conversion fails, and we are tied at six apiece. Now, here's the next three drives to, remind, or to for the rest of regulation here. 6.46 left, Sandusky gets the ball back after that score. They cannot move. They do not get a first down. It's a three and out. They punt back to Cass City. 5.04 left in the fourth quarter. Cass City can't do anything with it. They can't get a first down. They three and out. Give it back to Sandusky after a punt. Two minutes and 10 seconds left. Sandusky has the ball back. They can't get a first down, so they punt it away. So then Cass City begins at their own 25-yard line, and then they have 12 plays from the 25-yard line down to the one-yard line. As time expires, they throw a pass into the end zone. There is a pass interference flag on it, so they result in an untimed down half the distance to the goal line, so Cassidy has one more shot to get it. Cathrell calls for a pass from Fernald to Matt Mahalik. It gets to the alleged half-yard line and does not get into the end zone, and so we find ourselves at the end of regulation at 6-6, six to six, a tie. Heading to overtime, Cassidy now on the first play of possession. They had possession first. And Bryce Fernald keeps it for himself. 10-yard quarterback keeper into the end zone. The two-point conversion throw to Mahalik was good. And Cassidy leads by eight points, 14-6. to six. Sandusky, of course, has another chance at it in the second play of their possession. DeLorean Wedge, after a seven-yard dive, and makes it a three-yard dive for DeLorean Wedge into the end zone. And it all comes down to that two-point conversion. And the two-point conversion fails as Ryan DeLong tackles Sandusky at the two-yard line. And that will be your final. Cassidy, 14 Sandusky 12, Cass City advance to the district final. Well, after one half of play, 
this was all Sandusky. That's that drive that they had that basically overtook the whole second quarter really kind of set the pace of the game. And Cassidy could not wait to get to halftime. When they got to halftime, something clicked because they got to stop. And as soon as that punt hit the back of one of their offensive players and went the wrong direction, Sandusky was in the driver's seat. And for and when Cassidy made that fourth down stop and took over the ball there and that turned around and led to a touchdown, Jordan Mester came unglued on that drive. He took over the team. And from that point forward, all momentum shifted. Cass City took over and dominated the game the rest of the way, uh, defensively and offensively running the game. This is totally even. No running back accumulated 50 yards rushing in the game. And we were talking about having the most star-studded backfield, especially the Redskins and Cass City. Not one running back to accumulate 50 yards tells you how impressive the game plan was in the front seven of these defenses to stop the run. And it took some broken plays, it took a couple passing plays, and it took some design runs all circled around Jordan Mester for Cassidy to pull away, win this game down the stretch, and they absolutely won this old-fashioned rugby-style game by having an athletic quarterback taking over the game. If it wasn't for his play down the stretch, I don't know if they have enough in the offensive tank to score twice on that Sandusky defense. Yeah, this this game to me was a game of adjustments. Cassidy needed half time, needed halftime to come desperately uh, because they, like you said, Dave, they were getting dominated in that game in the first half, and Sandusky didn't make any changes to what to, to counter what Cassidy did. Uh, what was working in the first half didn't work in the second half, and and Sandusky just kept trying to to go to the well and and not get. Uh, creative enough where as you just said uh Cass City started to get creative and started to try to get athletes in space and let Fernald do do some special things and that, that was really the difference of the game between two evenly matched teams was adjustments and uh you know going deep into your playbook and just finding something that was going to work and Cass City just had a few of those plays that worked a little bit more the first half, it was Lucas Feehan. Lucas Feehan really made a few key conversions for that Sandusky offense. Cassidy, to speak more specifically to those adjustments you're talking about, Cassidy took away Lucas Feehan in the second half. And when they took him away, Sandusky never got any of that running game going. No one ever replaced him as the guy that they could hand the ball off to and get the first down when they needed it. And on the other side of things, and I, I thought it took Cassidy too long to do this, but they finally looked at, at Bryce Fernald and said, go ahead and throw the football. Go ahead and throw the football. You know, he absolutely took over this game. Um, Bryce Fernald did by throwing the football, using his legs. He got Jordan Mester involved, scored a crucial touchdown. These guys really played well in the second half, but it took me too long to get that passing game going because they even ran in passing downs. When it was man-to-man, Fernald took off and ran and got like 20 yards. One of the biggest plays of the game on a design pass, he ended up running. So there were a lot of things that happened because we knew Sandusky's pass defense was a little suspect. I will give Matt Carlson credit, though. They put him back there, and he knocked down a couple passes to delay Cass City from taking over this game, but it was not enough. Sandusky ended up with 112 rushing yards on 36 carries and two scores. Cass City had 40 carries, four more than Sandusky, and they resulted in about 44 more yards than Sandusky as well. 40 carries for 156 yards. And two rushing touchdowns. Through the airs, Cass City, Bryce Fernald, 6 of 12 in passing, no interceptions. 
for 51 yards. Sandusky, two of three for a total of eight yards from Lucas Feehan, the backup quarterback. Penalties were not an issue for this. That was a relief from the week before for us. Sandusky was led by DeLoren Wedge with 12 carries for 45 yards and a score. Zach Franz, 11 carries, 35 yards. Lucas Feehan, the quarterback, 10 carries, 21 yards and a score. Martin Tovar, 3 carries and 11 yards. Receiving the ball, Matt Carlson, 1 reception, 7 yards. Zach Franzel, the other, for just 1 yard. Cass City led by Bryce Fernald, 11 carries for 88 yards and a score. And then the running backs, Jordan Mesterlich, Dave was saying, 7 carries, just 27 yards and a score. Noah Zaleski, 11 carries, 25 yards. And Alex Perry held to 11 carries for 16 yards on the night. Fernald, 6 of 12 through the air for 51 yards. Matt Mahalik bringing in three of those for 19 total yards. Didn't this feel like there should have been a trophy on the line for this game? I, I, I said the same after I walked off the field at Ubley in USA. Uh, this felt like a district championship game. I, I listened to this whole game while I was covering my game, and it's just it was so such compelling action. Two great evenly matched teams, and, and poor Sandusky comes up on the short end again against Cass City. Uh, what do they have to do to to uh, to get over that hump? But uh, you know, it's it, it's a shame to see them done. But man, Cass City proven once again that they they are one of the top teams in the thumb they, they certainly are and they're rolling but uh i think there's one stat that I, i'm sure clark can correct me on if i'm off a little bit but if i'm not mistaken sandusky only accumulated about 20 yards of offense in the second half uh, so that, that's where it went cassidy made the adjustment they took away the running game kudos to them sandusky was unable to respond unable to hold on to that short lead and then the uh the overtime it did not have much for drama. I mean, they go ahead and score on the first place, and Dusky go ahead and score on the second play. But then all-important two-point conversion. Cassidy gets it. Sandusky doesn't. Two evenly matched teams. Game doesn't get any closer than that. And Dave is correct there. I do believe if I if my memory holds true, Sandusky had right around 90 yards at halftime. They ended up with 112 rushing as well as eight yards passing in that second half. But Sandusky did not have a single first down in that second half. As they had six first downs in the first half, Cass City on the flip side had two first downs or three first downs in that first half. Everything else came in the second half. They ended up with 11 first downs. Cass City now advances and takes on to the road this time. Hemlock, the Huskies are now 8-0 after taking out the Bad Axe Hatchets just yesterday. Hemlock, 8-0, have won eight in a row, and they are firing all cylinders, but we will talk about them later in this program. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the Bad Axe Hatchets as well as the Ubly Bearcats in USA Patriots. Left side, right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and also now live on YouTube. Thank you to all of our listeners and watchers out there on YouTube. We've talked about the Cassidy Redhawks and the Sandusky Redskins. I thought of a trophy game there. We have the Redhawks and Redskins. Let's do a big giant bottle of red hot hot sauce and we'll call our good. All right, moving along here to the Ubley, Ubley Bearcats and USA Patriots. Dave, just, just be quiet over there. All right, moving on. <laughs> Another game that ended in overtime. USA going on the road to Ubley. This was bound to be a good one, and we were sad we could not be there for this one. 
but it started out three minutes into the ballgame and Ubley strikes first. Evan Peruski, the freshman quarterback and a 10-yard keeper, makes it count for the Ubley Bearcats. The two-point conversion from Carson Hleski is good. It's 8-0 Ubley, just three minutes in the ballgame. 21 seconds left in the first half. Fast forward there, and Connor Gettle, a quarterback keeper from four yards out for the USA Patriots, putting them on the board, and then Connor Gettle caps that off with a two-point conversion throw to Walker Foley, makes it eight apiece tied at halftime. USA and Ubley at 8-8. In the third quarter, halfway through, USA strikes, actually, I, just, I should say strikes an interception. Connor Gettle throws an interception at Ubley's 19-yard line, and that turns the ball back over. And then into the fourth quarter, USA strikes first in the second half. That'd be the first score in the second half. Seven minutes and 33 seconds left in regulation, and USA's Braylon Ballard dives in from a yard out. The two-point conversion fails. Key point there, and it's 14-8 USA leading by just six points. Four minutes later, three minutes and 40 seconds left in regulation, and Ubley on a fourth and two. Evan Bruski, the quarterback, freshman quarterback, throws a 17-yard pass to Kyle Sweeney, finds the end zone. It is tied to 14 apiece, and they go for the two-point conversion, and USA holds strong. The two-point conversion fails, and we are tied at 14 apiece. Moving on to overtime, USA cannot score on all four tries in their first possession, so Ubley takes over, tied still at 14-14, and Ubley on just the second play, sounds familiar like our game as well, Ubley on the second play of the overtime, Carson Husky runs in from five yards out, and that would be your ball game at 20-14 is your final, and the USA Patriots season's over, the Ubley Bearcats advance to the district final. There is so much to unpack in this game. I mean, we talk about the old cliche, it's too bad somebody had to lose. I mean, it really is too bad somebody had to lose this game. Uh, and it's been USA more times than not against Ubley. But uh, I want to go to that fourth and two uh, play. That's that's season on the line for the Bearcats right there. They don't convert in all likelihood. They're going to run out of timeouts, a first down or two for, for USA. Uh, they're going to be able to run the clock out, and it's ball game. They put the season on the line in the hands of a freshman quarterback, a little bootleg. It was a beautiful play. Kyle Sweeney's got great hands. Not only did he get the first down, they got the touchdown. Now, you fast forward to overtime. The thing that goes on unnoticed is, yes, uh, USA didn't score in their four plays. First play, they had you, they had Ubley on their heels. Rollout pass, Connor Gettle had an open man, just missed him. I love the play call for USA. They got aggressive. They went for the, the score right away. But the only problem is when you don't get that score, you put yourself in a bind, and they were going – it was an uphill battle the rest of the way. They didn't score. Then when you when you give Ubley the ball back at the 10-yard line, it's pretty simple what was going to happen. Number 30, Carson Holeski was going to get the ball. Nobody else was touching that ball. He fouled number 55, Nolan Van Erp, two times into the end zone, and it was a touchdown. Uh, just an amazingly well-played game between between these two teams. So clean. Uh, the the interception didn't really cost uh, uh, USA at all. So turnovers really weren't a factor. There was one penalty for five yards. So, like I said, so clean. When these teams play, the team that makes the, the least amount of mistakes is, is going to win. And really, neither one of these teams made any huge mistakes, but it was the missed opportunity on that first play in overtime that cost USA, but I still support that play call, go for the win. They had the play dialed up. It was the right play, and it just didn't work for them. 
Two major points. Um, I thought in the beginning of the second half, I thought Connor Gettle's interception deep into ugly territory really changed the way that game was going. Because I think if USA scores there, this game is probably in the bag. Because USA end up scoring next anyways. Um, they could get a chance to go up two scores there. But that just is the credit to that ugly Bearcat defense. It has simply gotten so much better from week one till now. And uh, it's just typical ugly. You know, you just, yeah, they might be down this year. No, they're not. They're five and two. They're going to be. Point number two, this team was so even. Four carries, 29 yards, and they both had two rushing touchdowns. That's what separated these teams. They both had two TDs. There were four carries difference and 29 yards rushing difference. So what's the point? 0 for 4 passing with an interception from USA, 3 for 4 passing for 40 yards and a touchdown. And not just any touchdown, the touchdown that tied the game. So the passing game of the Ubly Bearcats, I'm going to repeat that. The passing game of the (laughs) Ubly Bearcats was the difference in this game. And a freshman quarterback, nonetheless, and I've been saying it for years, it's not that Ubly doesn't have the ability to. They just feel they don't need to. But in this game, they felt that need to do it, and look what happens. They strike gold. This team sets you up all game long with power running games, sets up this play-action pass, and the freshman Evan Perusky doesn't miss it. This kid could be a star moving forward. Dave, I'm glad you mentioned the defense. I talked to Carson Lusky after the game, and I and I asked him about the defense, and they were so unhappy with the with the uh, the first game against Brown City where they gave up 200 yards rushing, and they really challenged themselves. And I said, what's the difference? What's the difference in this defense? And he said, plain and simple, it's being more aggressive. That's all they're doing. And they came out, they made a statement against Bad X in the last week of the season. They dismantled... Uh, Brown City, and they held an explosive USA team to less than 170 yards. Uh, this defense is is firing on all cylinders. The offense is getting it done. I'm glad you mentioned Peruski. This kid is going to be absolutely special every single week. He improves a little bit more. Coach Eric Sweeney gives a little bit more to him, asks him to do a little bit more. Uh, the sky's the limit for this kid, and he's getting just enough uh, to 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 really give Ubley that little bit of uh, extra dimension that they need. Ubley ends up winning twenty to fourteen. They have a hundred hundred and ninety seven yards rushing, two scores, forty through the air. Evan Bruski three of four for forty yards. Carson Haleski leading the way with eighteen carries, a hundred and eight yards and a score. Evan Bruski eight carries, fifty seven yards and the other rushing touchdown. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the Ubley. Excuse me, not the Ubley Bearcats, the Bad Axe Hatchets, and the Hemlock Huskies. Right here on Sports Radio 1021. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and search for WLW Sports and you'll see all of our faces for radio, especially Dave, face for radio through Zoom. <laughs> it's kind of an inception mentality there. All right, let's talk about the Division 7 other game on the other side there. Cassidy goes on to play the winner of Hemlock and Bad X. This game took place Saturday at 1 o'clock. 
And Bad X came out, uh, was f- firing in that first half, but Hemlock scores with just one second left in the first quarter. Espen Miller with a one-yard run. The PAT failed. It's 6 nothing Hemlock. In the second quarter, Bad X gets on the board for the first time, 4.35 before the half, as Blackstock throws a four-yard pass to Jensen Emmerich. The PAT is good. From Micah Gordon, it makes it 7-6 Bad X with a one-point lead. Going into halftime, nope. One moment here, nine seconds left in the half. Bad X gets in within... Firing distance, they roll out the field goal unit, and Micah Gordon hits a 34-yard field goal, hit the other bell, and that is a good field goal. It is Bad X leading by four points, 10 to 6. That bell is paying off beautifully. It's a it's a 10-inch brass bell. And so it's 10 to 6 at halftime. Into the third quarter, 7.45 left in the third. Hemlock, they start to fire here. Dylan Legro with a two-yard quarterback keeper. The PAT fails. It's 12 to 10. Hemlock by two points. And then they followed that up five minutes later with an Espen Miller six-yard run for the score. The two-point conversion, Miller brings in the catch. And it's 20-10 to 10 Hemlock, leading by 10 points into the fourth quarter. Minute 39 left, Banax gets back into the end zone. Carson Affer with a five-yard run. The PAT from Gordon is good. And it's a three-point ball game on the ensuing kickoff. Banax goes for the onside kick. They recover it. However, it does not go 10 yards. Hemlock holds possession. They kneel. Even though Banax had timeouts, is a little confusing at the end of the game. But regardless, though, Hemlock hangs on with a three-point victory. Will now go and host the Cassidy Redhawks this coming week for the district final. Banax finishes the season at five and three in a bang-up season for the Banax Hatchets. Hey, this game was very competitive, guys. There was a ton of ton of yards happening. A little sloppy. There was five turnovers in the game, but Banax hung around for a very long time couple things that really hurt them. A botched punt in the middle of that game, and they had two missed field goal attempts that easily could have swayed how this game went. But uh, for me, just an overall perspective, hats off to the Hatchets. I, I really thought Hemlock was the real deal. I thought Hemlock would take care of business. But the Bad X Hatchets, and I give them credit, because we haven't said this about them in a long time, they fought tooth and nail. They fought tough for four quarters. They overcame a couple turnovers, a pick and a fumble. And this team had a chance down the stretch. And that's what I, we've been itching to see out of this bad X team is that fight, that passion. And they got some really good young core players. The future looks bright for bad X. And overall, I thought they had an absolutely fantastic season, arguably a coach of the year candidate, but uh, again, bad X 236 yards on the ground, another 137 through the air. And they can really happy that Vinnie Blackstock played because he played quite well. And you know, he wasn't hundred percent. Yeah, welcome back, Vinny Blackstock, and what a difference he makes to this team. Uh, 130, he had 120 yards passing, eight of 13. He did have a pick, but uh, this offense just wasn't clicking without him. Uh, you, you look back at at when they lost him against Ubley, and even in that playoff game against Lakers. I mean, it, it was it was not pretty. But Vinny comes back, and and maybe that just injected some life overall into the team. They outgained. Hemlock in this game, and uh, when Badex's offense is clicking like that, and with that defense that they have, I mean, it, it was right there. A few things go their way. Um, Badex definitely could have won this game, but this was this was a wake up call, uh, and and should open a lot of eyes. I I hope, I just truly hope that this wasn't a one season wonder, and that whatever is happening over in in Badex can continue on after this season uh, because I really like it. I, I like what, what Coach Polkley has done. Uh, you could you can tell there's a different mentality over there. And uh, guess what, folks? If this continues, 
you're not going to want to just schedule bad X on your homecoming thinking that that's going to be an easy win. Uh, these hatchets have a lot of pride, and and uh, you you can just tell it's different. It feels different when you when you watch this team, and and uh, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Too bad it had to come to an end. Uh, if they could have won this game, we would have we would have had a Cass City Bad X showdown for the Greater Thumb West Championship. It would have been awesome because we could have gone back to Cass City again, and they're they're always great hosts. But this Bad X team has a very highly anticipated sophomore class. You saw a few of those guys, uh, Meinhold, McPhee. There's a couple sophomores. There's a brown kid you didn't get to see um, with a broken collarbone. This team has some young sophomores that already are contributing at the varsity level. Look for them to come back as juniors healthy as a team you're going to want to watch out for next year. I have a theory about Bad Axe, why they had to turn around this year, but this is completely in jest, but they got rid of the winged helmets. That was their problem. They got rid of the winged helmets. I tell you, I tell you, I'm a fan of the winged helmets. But those new helmets are sharp. They're really, really good looking helmets. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's not that's not the that's not the point of this. <laughs> it's a bad, bad weekend for college football in the state of Michigan. Vinny Blackstock ends Oof. up with eight of thirteen in passing, one interception for 120 yards and a score. Jensen Emmerich bringing in five receptions for 68 yards and a score. Carbon Legault. 13 carries, 134 yards. Carson Affer, 8 carries, 48 yards and a score. Blackstock, 11 carries, 36 yards. And Griffin Meinhold, 7 carries and 12 yards. He was also 1 of 4 through passing for Griffin Meinhold for 17 yards. Hemlock, of course, hosts Cass City. And the word is on the street that Cass City is going to be playing on Friday. That's according to our, our sources there. We're hearing Friday night, which uh, is a surprise to all of us because Hemlock has been playing on Saturday, so it's very surprising that they would give up essentially a day of practice uh, to make this game go back a day and play on Friday night. But, uh, hey, most teams are used to playing on Friday night, so maybe that had something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm hearing Friday night at 7 p.m. And, of course, uh, as long as our application from the MHSA goes through, it never been denied, but uh, <laughs> that will be the game of the week. Cass City at Hemlock, potentially this Friday at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 6. All right, let's take a look at the North Huron Warriors and the Peck Pirates taking place Saturday, this uh, yesterday, in Kindy. And it was North Huron victorious for the second time this year, a 20-point victory this time over the Peck Pirates. North Huron strikes first, halfway through the first. Tyler Moore, a 70-yard run. The two-point conversion fails at 6-0 North Huron. Tyler Moore tacks on another one. Three minutes later, a three-yard run makes it 12-0. Tyler Moore, Peck, zero. In the second quarter, just before the half is over, Peck scores with 14 seconds left. Kyle Vincent throws a 24-yard pass to Brandon Wernarski. Two-point conversion fails. It's 12-6 going to halftime. North Huron, nope. One second left. Tyler Moore returns a 73-yard kickoff for the score. And Tyler Moore ends the first half with three touchdowns. Two-point version, Christian Brown on the run makes it 20-6 North Huron by 14. In the third quarter, minute 21 left, North Huron's Christian Brown with another score, 19-yard run. Two-point version from Moore makes it 28-6. Peck scores nine minutes left in regulation. Dylan Rosenthal with a one-yard run. Two-point version from Rosenthal as well makes it 28-14. And with three minutes and 43 seconds left, Tyler Moore decides, I'm going to score one more time today. One-yard run makes it 34-14. That would be your final. Tyler Moore ends up with 21 carries for 159 yards, three touchdowns, plus the touchdown kickoff return. Christian Brown, 16 carries, 156 yards, and one score. Paul P. Adams, you were at this ballgame. What did you think? Uh, it was – we'll, I'll talk about Tyler Moore in a second. Tyler Moore had a spectacular game, and he deserves a lot of credit. But this game started with North Huron's defense. 
Peck could not move the ball in the first half whatsoever. They had one final drive that was aided by a, a face mask call on a fourth down that kept the drive going, and, and that gave Peck a little bit of life, and Peck scored at the end. But this this game was all about North Huron's defense. All day long, Peck could not do anything. They couldn't pass. They could barely run. They they did not. They were unable to string any plays together. So with that said, obviously the big story going in was Will Case, uh, North Huron's stud quarterback, player of the year candidate, hurt his ankle, did not play, and we're wondering what's this offense going to look like with Tyler Moore running the offense under center. Well, pretty darn good. Uh, really didn't miss a beat. Um, the three touchdowns and then you you add Christian Brown as a good uh, secondary option and that one-two punch of Brown and Moore was way too much for for Peck to overcome gotta talk about that kickoff return too that was absolutely to me the key of this game shout out to Ryan Shornack he's the one that threw the block that sprung Moore for the touchdown without that block from Shornack that uh, Moore does not score, uh, so that was that was absolutely huge. Uh, Coach Jack and Oblock, he said that wasn't a momentum changer; that was a momentum stealer, uh, and he was absolutely right. North Huron got the ball coming out of the half and scored, and and then really going up twenty-eight to six, that was ball game. But it all hinges on that that block and that kickoff return, biggest play of the game. North Huron really proved a lot in this game. Give me more. Give me more. Where has this guy been? I mean, I, this is a Clark Ramsey special. I guarantee this guy does windows, okay? <laughs> this guy played absolutely phenomenal and asked to do so on short notice, uh, just a handful of practices running the offense. Explosive. Just goes to show you the depth of this North Huron team, the coaching staff. Uh, hats off to those guys. Uh, excellent job. Excellent game plan because the defense – uh, as you mentioned, and I got to mention again, was absolutely outstanding. Uh, they they absolutely stepped up, knowing that their quarterback situation was a question mark. Clearly, it didn't take long when Tyler Moore exploded for seventy yards to start this game. The crowd gets to go crazy. All seventy-two of them that are allowed to be at games right now goes nuts, <laughs> and the home and the home team doesn't miss a beat from there. Tyler Moore looked like he's been doing it. For his whole career and uh, that's great to know because this is a weapon for North Huron moving forward knowing they can use Tyler Moore this opens the playbook for some special packages unique plays moving people around Will Case doesn't have to play every single down and carry the ball 25 times and throw the ball another 10 every single game Tyler Moore can handle some of this workload that just makes North Huron that much more dangerous going into next week North Huron now will host the Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart Irish, and the lack of the Irish certainly this weekend. And Sacred Heart enters the game at seven and one. They've won their last five ball games. Peck finishes the season at four and four. Two of those or four, two of those four losses in the season from Peck come at the hands of the North Huron Warriors. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the third week of the playoffs. That would be the regional final for Division Eight or Eight Player Football and the district final for our Eleven Player Football teams. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021.
Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com, search for WLWSports.com. No .com on there, and regardless, it should pop up. We'll see. Hit subscribe. We need to get 100 followers. This is the whole key to the subscriptions. We need to get to 100 followers and subscriptions on YouTube, so that way we can have our own custom URL. That's our whole goal in this whole process. What are we at? 24. Well, come on, folks. Step it up. Help us out. I'm, on, I'm about ready to create 76 Gmail accounts for myself. All right, let's uh, let's take a look here at, at the upcoming schedule, the third week of the postseason. Say your prayers this week that this can happen, all thanks to the current scenario here. But let's see here. Eight-player football, Division One Morris, the NCTL team Morris, the one seed playing, hosting Adrian Lenaway Christian. Morris, the last year's Division One champion, in A-player football, Adrian Lenaway Christian, the first year in A-player football, they lost last year in the regional final to eventual eventual state champion Reading 21-26. to That should be a pretty darn ball game in front of us. Uh... I'm going. I'm going with the upset. Adrian Lineaway Christian over, over your defending champion. I just when you look at, at Adrian Lineaway Christian's uh, um, body of work, just more impressive than what Morris has done. Morris has given up points. Uh, Adrian Lineaway Christian has given up double digit points one time, and I think that's going to be the key in this game. It should be close, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this this one. I'm pretty confident in it. Uh, it's going to be a quality football game because Adrian Lenaway Christian and Morris are both playing really good ball. Probably Adrian Lenaway Christian's playing better, but Morris has played some pretty tough teams. So I, I think uh, I think last week's opponent was a little tougher than Adrian Lenaway Christian. So that that kind of waters that down a little, little bit. But uh, I don't disagree with you at all. Adrian Lenaway Christian right now probably should be the favorite. And the winner of that one will take on Marcellus or Martin in the other region. Moving on to Division Two of eight-player football, Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart at North Huron. I presume this game will be Saturday at 1 p.m. That's and, correct. Yeah. Okay, so that is confirmed. North Huron plays on Saturday once again. They'll be hosting Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart. They beat Sacred Heart last year in the first week of the season, 14 to six. They lost the year prior, and that was a score of 20 to 42. We'll see how that one goes. I- the- interesting tidbit about this game: okay. Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart's only losses to Peck, 28 to 22. Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart went up 22 to nothing in that game, and Peck came all the way back. So what you see there is the potential that Sacred Heart can score a lot of points and score them quickly and could put North Heron on their heels, but there's still hope because Peck's offense was not nearly as good as North Heron's, not nearly as diverse, but uh, that is definitely something to keep in mind that that Sacred Heart went up big on Peck early in that game and put Peck on their heels and, and were able to come back. Peck is beaten. Peck was beaten by North Huron twice, though, this year. So I still like North Huron's chances. Tyler Tyler Moore gives us gives you that excitement, gives you that feel that they can still do it, whether Will Case is able to go or not. Moving on, of course, the winner of North Huron Sacred Heart will play the winner of Colon the Magi against the Shamrocks. A lot of magic in that one. Portland St. Patrick in Colon <laughs> taking place in Portland Saturday uh, next week. Moving on to Division 8, 11-player football. This would be Ubley. Uh, in this one, still live from the Greyertham Conference, they travel to Flint Beecher. This game is Friday at 7 p.m. That's correct. Friday at 7 p.m. in Beecher. Obli 6-2, Flint Beecher 7-1, the Bearcats against the Bucks. This should be a pretty interesting game. Two styles of play on, on display. Here's what I think is the biggest uh, game of the year for, for Ubley when uh, I believe K-Pac fourth, or wasn't able to field a team. Ubley was able to go out and get Flint Hamity, 
a team that's very similar that lost, I think Hamity lost by six points or something like that to Flint Beecher. But the point is, a team that was very similar to the style and the athleticism that Ubley's going to see against Flint Beecher. Ubley's already been exposed to a similar kind of team. I think they know what they're what to expect. They know they're gonna they're gonna give away size. They're gonna give away athleticism. That doesn't really bother Ubley. They're gonna make that up with technique and not making mistakes. Uh, and 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 bringing their own brand of physicality in, into Flint. But the, I look back at that Flint-Hamity game and say, what a great uh, schedule and pickup, whoever, whether it was the athletic director, the, the football coach, whoever whoever was able to schedule that game, kudos to them because I think that that's going to be such a key uh, to play into this game. I mentioned it earlier. I'll say it again. It's really too bad that Harbeach wasn't able to play this team because we wanted to see them again up close play one of our thumb teams and I think it's just another game of scouting that uh, the Bearcats don't get to utilize. But I don't think the Bearcats are going to have that much trouble. I think they're going to take down Flint Beecher. I just think fundamentally they're more sound. When those those Flint teams come up this way, they run into a, a physical brand of football that the Ugly Bearcats are known for. They're going to get hit hard. They're not going to turn the ball over. And they got a freshman quarterback that is balling out. He might throw it a couple times on these guys. Uh, my only question is, can the Bearcats stop the pass? I think Beecher's going to try to spread them out at times and throw it a little bit. If Ubley handles that, I think the Bearcats can handle Flynn Beecher. And Ubley Bearcats playing at Flynn Beecher this Friday at 7 p.m. The winner of that one will go on to take on Carson City Crystal and Fowler. Fowler, the one seed. Carson City Crystal, the two seed. The Eagles against the Eagles in that one. Moving on to Division 7, 11-player football. This will be the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network. Game time, we do believe, to be Friday at 7 p.m. We will confirm that on our social media sites as well as our website. Be sure to check that out for confirmation there as the week progresses. But in the District 52 final will be the Hemlock Huskies hosting the Cassidy Redhawks, the 1 and 2 seed respectively. Both teams 8-0 on the season. They've met... A few times in history, I'm not sure. We'll have to confirm that one. But Hemlock and Cassidy, this, these two styles of play line up very well. We'll see what the Red Hawks are able to do against the Huskies. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it. And the biggest reason, the two reasons looking forward to it is, Clark, we have never been to Hemlock in the decade we've been calling games. So that's always a nice uh, notch on our belts. And second of all, the, the Bad X Hatchets, they have given us a ton of confidence that Cass City can hang in with Hemlock as well. Bad X hung around with this team, gave had a punch's chance to win. I think Cass City has just as good a chance to do the same thing, but they have to find a little more on the offensive side. That defense was so impressive against Sandusky, but that offense needs to find a way to get their playmakers out in space. They have a ton of them, and it just took too long last on Friday night for them to find those guys but they did it just enough time to pull out ahead and beat a good Sandusky team. This Hemlock team is just as solid. And, and just a quick uh, look on the other side of this uh, this bracket. One of the best games yeah. in the state, Pawamo Vesphalia at Ithaca. You're talking the bluest of the blue bloods in the state of Michigan. Uh, it's hard to believe Ithaca is dropping down to Division 7. Uh, division 7, it, it could very well be the toughest division when you look at the type of teams that, that make up this division. But my goodness, what a game in Ithaca. Just surviving by a point uh, against North North Muskegon, eighteen to seventeen. Uh, this this has the uh, all the makings of of a state championship caliber game right here. I think you mean Paloma Westphalia. 
Wasn't it PW oh, only P- one by one? PW. I'm sorry. PW won 18 to 17. Yeah, that North Muskegon team is just a 500 ball club. So uh, going into this week, I, I I would like to Poama Westphalia, but I have totally flipped it. that Poama Westphalia only beating North Muskegon at home by one. I got to lean Ithaca now. 41 nothing. Ithaca won their team. They took care of business. When you take a look at the region that's Cass City's in here between Cass City, Hemlock, Poama Westphalia, and Ithaca, we have a whole as was 16, 23, 31 wins and one loss between the four teams. So that is destined to be a great region regardless of who plays. But Puamos Philly at 7-1, Ithaca at 8-0 on the season. So that is going to wrap things up here for the strong side this week. Thank you to Paul P. Adams in person here from the Huron County View. Dave Hansen in-game analysis for the WLW Sports Network. And we'll be back on air. Sounds like Friday at 6 p.m. from Hemlock, Michigan as the Cass City Redhawks Go to the road to take on the Huskies for the District 50 or District 60 final. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. Thank you for listening. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. It's every Sunday at 7 p.m. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network, being powered by Acre Valley Services. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Until then, on Friday at 6 p.m., keep posted as soon as we get there. You're listening to The Strong Side. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.